Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Okay, good morning. What I'm going to speak to this morning is an element of relationship. And whatever the relationship, it happens in all relationships as I see it. The context I'm working in is more around uh, like romantic or intimate relationships. That's the context in which I'm working in uh, this morning. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, it could be with your friends, your family, your kids, uh, your coworkers, whatever. But just give you an idea of the context I'm working in. And I'm working in that context because it's been on my mind and it's something that I have, uh, I'd say, grown up in this particular context. And so I'm familiar with it. And it's the desire to minimize. It's a very interesting look and view of uh, why we minimize not only ourselves, but then those around us. And it happens. All you do is have to pause and listen to how you speak to yourself for like three minutes. And you'll start to understand the conversation that you have that minimizes you as the individual that takes away from you that diminishes you in various different ways, that taps your spirit. And it leads into this question, which I find very interesting. Do you want to raise an overgrown child? <laughs> it's a very strange question. And the tyrant side of you says, yes, of course. That's exactly what I want, is an overgrown child. That will just do what I say and I can baby when I want, and that will be good. So the ability to see the side of yourself in this conversation would be useful. It's already played out. You've been in relationships, is that a fair statement? You're in relationships now, I can imagine. I mean, many relationships. So it's already occurred, and it's most likely occurring now, and it certainly will in the future. The reason why we don't, the reason why we want an overgrown child is we can keep them as we want them. You don't encourage in an effort to dominate and not allow your partner to thrive. Now think about that. I don't encourage you because I don't want you to thrive, actually. I don't want you to grow up. I don't want you to mature. It's important that you are less than me. And there's a reason why we take that stance. The effort is to minimize because you won't tolerate any competition. It's like, no, you don't get to compete with me. You may show me up and that's not allowed. And I want to make sure that you know that. Those are the rules of engagement in this relationship. There's no competition. I'm here, you're down there. And it's important we hold this structure. Remember, this is the tyrant side of you speaking. If you noticed and acknowledged any act of goodness they offered and that had the potential of elevating them, that means you couldn't be as resentful and miserable as you are. You would start to dissolve all the reasons you have to be a resentful, miserable person within your relationship. 
because that misery and resentment is focused on one person. I'm miserable because of you and the way that you are and all that I have to do to you to take care of you. You're useless. And that's why I'm so bitter and resentful is because of you. And so if we can keep somebody minimized and useless around us, we have all the excuses to be resentful and bitter and miserable and focus that blame on somebody in particular, the target. And we always have a target. Always. If it's not us, it's somebody else. And if it's not them, it's someone else. We're always moving our target. There always has to be a target for blame and our bitterness to come out. And the message is, remember, you're the enemy. I'm actually against you in this relationship. And I refuse to be seen as weak. And therefore, I must keep you feeble so I can be strong. And most importantly, prove that I'm strong. I'm stronger than this person. And that's good for me. The convincing that I'm stronger than somebody else. I might not be stronger than my coworker or my parent or the world, but I'm certainly stronger than this useless idiot. And that is strong language. What's the position that we can take in relationship and do? And ideally, you can see yourself in this conversation, this side of you. Fear acts as a crushing force that rejects love. It's a fear-based experience. Fearful of being dominated in our relationship. So best that we dominate so we're not dominated. Criticism is a great way to minimize and to keep somebody lower than us, less than us. You do nothing right. And let me tell you that. So I can keep you feeble and weak and not believing in yourself. And then you're dependent on me. I can be your parent or parent role in this relationship, you overgrown child. As a consequence, you're frail and you keep everybody else that way too. A fear-based experience will weaken us. It's all about protection. We're not allowing love in and we're not allowing love out. No. Mm -mm. And that weakens us over a span of time. It doesn't take that long. And so if we consider ourselves feeble, and we do, in our own unique way, we'll keep everybody else around us the same. We cannot stand competition. It's a harsh streak to see and discover within yourself. It's one you probably don't want, don't want to admit to, but it's useful to admit to that there's a part of you that will dismantle your relationships in some fashion so you can prove that you're stronger than someone. I've been thinking about this over the last couple of days and how I've done that in a relationship, how I've done this exact thing. And I've been sneaky. <laughs> Love has been confusing to me. It's one of the perspectives I've had around love is love hurts. Which is 
a strange perspective to have around love, but that's one of my perspectives around love because that's, I would say the environment in which I grew up in, it didn't feel very good. That you're loved or I love you, but then there is pain associated with that relationship. And I found that quite strange and confusing because it didn't seem that was the message out there that love was supposed to be something different than what I was experiencing. And in addition to that, I adopted this um, behavior to be quiet. And I think that's how I've dominated my relationships in the past is through not speaking in some ways, which is a way to dominate relationships. You know, being robust and, you know, kind of out there with lots to say is one way to dominate a relationship. That's one extreme. The opposite extreme of that is just being quiet. And I think that's how I've done it. I didn't offer any encouragement, and nor did I offer any, you could say, judgment or criticism. And so I'd say how that played out is nobody really knew how they stood with me, which is destabilizing in of itself. And so you didn't get much from me, which is unpleasant to say out loud. I mean, I don't like that side of me, but that's the the force I was in relationships at times, that nobody really knew where they stood with me and how unpleasant that must have been for somebody. And so that was like the sneaky way in which I destabilized my relationships. You know, if, that, if things became unbearable, I'd huff and puff <laughs> and to make sure somebody knew my displeasure. But even in that, I was vague. I wasn't clear in the way in which I was communicating in my relationship. And that was on purpose. I mean, I see that very clearly now. I was on purpose to keep the relationship vague. And what a disservice to relationships doing that. And I still have to push against that because my tendency is to be quiet. I adopted that through my childhood. That was an element of intimate relationships, like cold communication. There's like that freezing out. Maybe the huffs and puffs every once in a while to make sure my the displeasure was being voiced in some vague way. And so that's not good for me behaving in that manner. And it's certainly not good for anybody else around me. Thriving relationships require distinctions. Clarity. I think that's true for anything. You think about yoga as an example. Each pose requires distinctions. So it's strong from the ground up. And so you can sustain being in that posture and relationship is no different. And I'm able to shift that. Well, I'd say this. The reason why I behaved that way because that's how I treated myself. I didn't encourage anybody around me because I didn't encourage myself. That practice did not exist. I was more critical to myself. And so over a span of time, I've been able to create a different kind of language within myself and be able to pull that conversation out of myself and infuse it in my relationships, which has changed my relationships. Having the capacity to appreciate people and encourage people 
around me. And to see what that does to people is really quite incredible. We're starved of encouragement. That is absolutely true. We're starved within ourselves of encouragement. We have a tendency of freezing ourselves out, shaming ourselves in many different ways. And we're starved of encouragement. That starts very young. And we have a way of holding on to that conversation, which is unfortunate. And at some point we have to shift it. And one great way to shift it is to start saying it. <sighs> and how difficult that has been for me. Hmm. I wasn't expecting this emotion to come up, but here it is. I've really had to wrestle and grapple with myself. <laughs> and to notice how mm, how shallow I was. And to admit that to myself of how shallow I was and how much effort I've had to put into making sure that I was creating some level of depth within myself so I could do the very same thing in my relationships. It's not just one relationship, as many as I can. I see very clearly how deprived we are of encouragement and care, kindness. And it's the commitment to strengthen. Which leads to this question, do you want a partner that is competent and confident? And there is the side of you that says, yes, of course I want that. I want that. That sounds lovely. <laughs> I'd love to have people in my life that are competent and confident and feel that way and show up that way for me. Which is very rare. If you haven't noticed. It has to be by design. It just doesn't happen by fluke, some random experience where somebody shows up as competent confident it's usually fraudulent i have to prove that i am that but i know that i'm not that's the costume and so it's very rare to have this kind of experience in our life for ourselves and with others and so if the answer is yes it's a great answer because this way i can be with somebody i can count on be supported by and feel cared for. And wouldn't that be lovely? And I'm not saying you don't have that. You do, obviously. But in an expanded way, somebody you can count on, which is also very rare. It's a relationship we have with ourselves, for sure. We don't count on ourselves all that much because we know we don't live into the promises we make at times. And how much effort it is to be a good person in this world. How diligent we have, to, we have to be to strengthen ourselves. You have to choose what you want. Do you want to be a tyrant? There's a part of you that says, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Or do I want to help the person I'm with or the people I'm with? You have to come up with that answer. You have to be diligent in pursuing your answer, and it can't just be a concept, it has to be supported through behavior. And one of the behaviors is to speak up and to share with these wonderful people that you're with, that you care for them and they do wonderful things for you. 
They sacrifice so much of themselves to be with you. That is true. They're like nuts to want to be with you. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Relationships, how much we have to sacrifice to be with somebody. And often that goes unrecognized. Helping is dangerous. They may, they may end up showing you up. Ah, which requires a tremendous amount of humility that somebody can show you up. It's a threat. You have to confront that threat when somebody shows you up. But what a wonderful thing when it occurs. And what a great thing to celebrate when somebody grows up. which often doesn't go celebrated. I'll criticize it. I'll take it apart. I won't say anything. I'll minimize you instead, in, instead of celebrating you. And you know what that feels like because it's occurred. It's occurred with you for sure, people around you. And that's worthwhile experiencing yet again to understand what that feels like. So perhaps you don't do it to other people. Vulnerability is my greatest strength. And that is absolutely true. Vulnerability is the gateway into our value structure. And informs the kind of relationships I want. Which ideally is relationships built on trust and respect. Which is not a given. That has to be chosen. There's a part of you that does not give that to people. You don't trust them, nor do you respect them. If you want to mature, secure, and promising relationships, a relationship, you must mature and stop acting like a juvenile. Huh. And the juvenile part of you is all about power grabs. That's my toy. It's not yours. I want the attention. You don't get me. Look at me, mom. <laughs> this kind of experience. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm great. I want the attention. The juvenile part of you wants that attention and seeks it out and will do anything to get it, which includes minimizing other people, stepping on other people, sabotaging other people. That's the part of you that must be constrained in relationship. It's the part that will destabilize, destabilize and take away anything you want in life. All the good things you want. The juvenile part of you won't allow it. It's the troublemaker <laughs> that pops out every once in a while, stirs up some shit and creates some chaos. And so you have to make a clear, clear decision about the kind of relationships you want and who you choose to be in those relationships. And that is a daily discussion that needs to occur. Has to be that way. And I'm not saying you don't, but I can imagine there's a part of you in relationship right now that's taking away from the relationship that you say you care about. And that requires some attention. So I have a question for you. Probably one you don't want to answer. Where are you currently minimizing? 
which relationship you currently have. You got something to say about this? I see some emotion in the room. So this struck a chord for some of you, maybe all of you. So I'll pose that question, keep it out there. Where are you currently minimizing? Then I'll pose another question. How are you feeling based on this conversation? A word, two words, something simple. You got something to say about that? Two questions in space. What do you got out there, people? Give me something. What that does to me is practice. Practice. Okay, great. Continued practice. What a practice it is. Thanks for that. Anybody else? Are you currently minimizing how you're feeling currently based on this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> you feel like shit. Okay. Why is that? Okay. Thanks for saying that. So friend, coworker have a tendency of through competition, minimizing each other and um, how you're left feeling in that. Probably not great. You know, you could, you know, you could generate something different in the relationship and how difficult that is. Yeah. It's like you're showing each other up, <laughs> which is an, a key element of competition, but it can go too far. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Anybody else? How are you left feeling? Where you minimize are currently? I'm so curious. With your boyfriend? Okay, good. Yeah. Concerned about being hurt, loving from a, a child space, you know, like a relationship. Um, I like how you said it. <laughs> Almost from a childish space, childish space. And how does that leave you feeling just out of curiosity? Mm -hmm. I think I would want to be Yeah. It's complex, isn't it? Yeah. You know, an element to this is updating your relationship to love. You know, what it means to you, coming up with a new definition 
that's how it seems to me. It's like, you know, it's like pulling yourself out of your past and you can actually be with the person that you say you care for versus coming out. It's like you're in relationship with him through other relationships, which is kind of strange. Needed, of course. But I appreciate your commitment to learn. Not so easy. Yeah. Well said. You're going to say something? Okay. So being overbearing at times in relationships, especially in like a dispute. Okay, good. Yep. We can all do that in our own uh, unique way. Okay. We gotta move on. We have a practice in front of us. The focus of this practice is on your glutes. Yeah, the rump. Class focus glutes. The right glute. Hold this experience of deep-seated outward rage. Oh my goodness. I don't know what's gonna happen in this class, we'll see. The left, deep-seated inward rage. So we can be outraged or enraged. We can be that way. We also hold in our glutes, right side, anger towards men. Ha! Oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to come out in this class. Less glutes. Anger towards women. That can manifest into this rage, inward, outward, these kinds of experiences. And so the idea is to get into your glutes, squeeze, soak, move any stale energy that you're holding on to to free yourself up. So you're not holding on to past-based experiences that have a way of infusing and informing your current relationships. And so what a practice it will be. Thanks for listening. Whatever you're feeling, bring it into your practice. Move your experience. To do it diligently, responsibly, that's what this practice is about. Nice to be with you. I'm going to move into a restorative practice before we do that. I have a few things to share with you that I hope that you'll find useful. Everything we do is a choice. Everything. And so every choice is a sacrifice. That's one way of looking at it. Can't have everything as much as we want to sometimes. So we have to hone in and choose what it is you want when you have a practice in front of you and the kind of experience and outcome you wish to have. And that happens through choice. Up on the board, I put a few perspectives, countering perspectives, you could say. The first is an automatic perspective. And this is specifically focused at your body and how you can speak and how we can speak to our body in particular. There's three points up there that I'd like to go through. 
goes something like, I hate you for being what you are, a source of shame and punishment, uh, shame and pain. So I hate you, body, for being what you are, who you are, and the shame and pain I experience as a consequence of you being you. That's the message we can have. It's a tough message to send, but it's one we can often send. You must be numbed out and diminished to minimize the way you feel. You don't get to feel certain things. I'm going to stuff you somewhere. And you're going to shut up down there and keep you squeezed so you don't get to feel. I don't want to feel certain things. And I'd rather, my, I'd rather minimize you instead of feel the things I need to feel. I don't like it. So stop it. Shut up down there and stop feeling. And we can numb out very easily. And we can do that various different ways. And if you don't fall in line, body, I'll intensify the punishment. And we can do that in many different ways. We can overwhelm our body, overextend it, overexercise, underexercise, overeat, drown it, cut it, starve it, whatever, for it to fall in line. And we will go to the extremes in some instances to make sure the body falls in line. It doesn't get to feel. What's so amazing about the practice of yoga, it's about waking the body up. Which I don't think gets enough airtime in yoga, as I see it. It's about waking up the bodies, the various different bodies. Physical body for sure, and also your emotional body. It's the first thing we shut down. You're not allowed to feel down there. So shut down and shut up. And so yoga is a way to wake yourself up. And that has to be done with intention. It's the counter perspective against the automatic perspective, the thing that lives in the dark. That if we're not present and paying attention, that's the conversation that you're having with your body. That's the consideration. So the intentional perspective is, I love you. Oh, that's nice. Sweet body, I love you. Thank you for being you, uniquely so, and you are cherished. You sweet thing. I cherish you, sweet body. I encourage you to feel and tell me what you need because I'm listening. The head doesn't want to listen to the body. It doesn't. And so we have to inform and encourage the body to speak and to feel and so we can listen and give it exactly what it needs and whatever that may be. I promise to care for you, honor and respect you. This is a very challenging conversation. And if you've ever tried it, you'll understand how difficult this conversation is, and especially to root it into a practice. And so this becomes the automatic. That's how you speak to yourself. And you've done it. If you've done it, you know what I'm speaking about. Oof. This is not taught. And if it was taught you, if it was taught to you, good for you and whoever taught you. But it's essential in terms of our self-care. And it can often be missed. It's one of the things I really appreciate about restorative practices. We need it because <laughs> we're usually flailing around the world trying to do a bunch of shit and <laughs> we need to slow down and restore. And that's a practice and a discipline in and of itself. And so that's what's in front of you. And so you get to choose. Are you going to punish or are you going to restore? Make that choice. It's not so easy. So 60 minutes in front of you. What a class it will be.